making it right. And in our next couple verses, we'll see what he means. He says, Here I stand, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. You notice what he said? He, notice what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, I have to done any of stuff. He just says, if I have, then tell me I'll make it right. Now, the back of his mind, he knows he hasn't taken an ox, he hasn't taken a bribe, he hasn't mistreated anybody, he hasn't done any of those things. And so he, he has confidence in throwing it out there and says, look, if I've done any of that, tell me I'll make it right. So he puts that to them that if I have hurt you, if I have offended you, give me the opportunity, I will make it right. And what do they say? You have not cheated or oppressed. They replied, You have not taken from anyone's hand. And Samuel coming to the back of his mind, going, Yeah, I know, I just wanted to hear you say it. Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also is anointed to be witness this day. That you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. I find it interesting that as Samuel is really kind of wrapping up his role in their lives, he says, Have I done anything to hurt you? If so, tell me I'll make it right. If I hurt your feelings, tell me I'll make it right. If I take anything from you, I should have, tell me I'll make it right. I think a life lesson for Samuel and for us is that when you have the opportunity to make it right, you make it right. You make it right. And whatever that means, and sometimes for some people that's financial. Like, oh, I owe them this money and I, didn't, and I need to make that right. Or, or I hurt their feelings and I need to make that right. Or whatever it is, that you make it right. I think it's an incredible point from the life of Samuel. He says, tell me what I've done and I'll make it right. So he throws that out there to them. The second thing, I believe the life lesson from Samuel is that we need to reflect properly. Now, there's just one verse here, but I'll, I'll paraphrase some other things for you. That we need to reflect properly, and this is properly, and this is verse 7 from 1 Samuel chapter 12. He says, Now then, stand here, because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your fathers. Now, this is a very common theme. When Moses is leaving, when Joshua is leaving, when, when some of the big name leaders in the nation of Israel are phased out, they make these big speeches to all of Israel. And they say, and they give like this whole long history of all the stuff God did. You know, they start with Abraham, and we'll get up with Abraham, and they go Isaac and Jacob, and they go through the whole story. They give all the stuff that God did. You know, he, he part of the Red Sea, part of the River, and they give all these details. So this is not uncommon for this excellent leader to stand up and say, okay, I'm going to bear witness. Now, the interesting thing here is different than every other time you read this previous to Samuel. Samuel gives a snippet of all the old stuff. Just a real brief window. He says, stand here, I'm going to give you the evidence, and he says, of all the righteous acts. Now imagine you are the guy sitting here with a pen and paper, and it is your responsibility to write down all of the righteous acts God has done for the nation of Israel. So when Samuel says this, you're like, okay, get ready, here it comes. This should be a pretty long list. 
Too much rain can be equally devastating. It's not enough rain. 
anticipate that God will do something incredible and miraculous. That God will do something. And understand, this is impeccable. There's no con here. There's no rainmaker. Remember back in you read stories probably of like the Dust Bowl days where guys were like trying to seed the clouds and then make it rain and all. There's none of that. Samuel's standing up and going, all right, God, here's the deal. And the same day, God makes a thunder and rain. The same day. So, a life lesson from Samuel. That we expect miracles. Uh, if we continue on in this section. We know that it's never too late. Now, let's go back. Now, we'll say here. The people said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your... What a tragic statement. I don't want you to miss that. They said, Pray to the Lord your God. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought the God of heaven was somebody else's God? Well, that's your God. And maybe you know people like that. You probably, similar to me, you've had people ask you to pray for them all the time. And when you pray for me, when you pray for them. As if, and we've said this before, like I have a bath phone in my office, and I rush home and pick it up, and God's there waiting for me, like Commissioner Gordon. Like, why do you think that anybody else's prayers make it to God faster than yours do? That's not biblical. Nobody cries out to God for mercy. And their prayer gets theirs, gets there before yours do. It doesn't happen. The people said the same old tragic thing. Praise the Lord, your God. Praise the Lord, your God. Call your servants so that we will not die. Why do they think they're going to die? Did you get that? So that we don't die. Were they afraid that this, the one that came was going to alienate them? from God forever, and he was done with it, he was going to kill off. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king. Well, let's talk about that right there. I understand that when you read this chapter 12, Samuel talks to all of Israel. Now, we understand that millions of people spread out dramatically, so all of Israel wasn't there. But there was enough of them to, for that to be considered a consensus of the people. And all these people say, we wanted a king, and that was wrong, and not many were sinners. And that was simple to ask for You know, they've already gotten the king picked out. Two chapters ago, his name is Saul. All of Israel was gathered under him, he was picked. And now all those same people who asked for a king and they got one are now saying, we should never pick the king. Remember we talked about sort of Samuel's drama now we get to Saul's. Because imagine he's in the crowd and he hears people say, oh, we should have never asked for a king. What were we thinking? God's going to kill us. Because we asked for Saul. And he's standing nearby and hears all of this. What do you think runs through his head and his heart? And when you read on and we'll get to him here in the next few weeks, he was crazy. And then you look back at this event, you go, well, no wonder. The people said, hey, we want 
makes us his own. Samuel says, For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject you. And then you put your name in there. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Jack Brown. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Jim Bell. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Amber Steele. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Matt Weiss. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Emily Pettit. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject Pat Kelly, even though we might. The Lord, for the sake of his great name, will not reject Will Hall. For the sake of his great name, for the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject him. Isn't that fantastic? Not because you're smart, not because you're rich, and not because you do right all the time, or not because you do right any of the time. But for the sake of His great name, the Lord will not reject you. The Lord will not throw you away. He was pleased to make you His own. And then last, this is not title for these last verses, but I think it's I think it's the appropriate title, and I have to be a learner. Lessons from life is a need to be learned. As for me, far, but if you want to remember any verse today, this is the verse you remember. This is about verse 23. As for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Have you heard that verse before? Some of you have, I'm sure. I've, I've heard it a bunch of times, but I'm not forgetting. You're considered that, that you sin when you fail to pray for people. So Samuel says, Far be it for me, but I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Sinning against the Lord, not sinning against you. Sinning against the Lord when we don't pray for other people. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. These are the things He says you need to relearn and relearn and relearn. You need to consider the great things God has done for you. Our last verse. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. But God says, I am I'm making you my own. If you, if you want to reject me and you, want to, and you and your king want to go off and, and do things on your own without me, well, you won't last. You'll be swept away. Now, the last, last, last life lesson from Samuel is that we be learners. We consider all of those things that God has done for us. We keep those fresh because it's easy to keep the negative things close by. Because we're wounded by them or we're hurt by them and they cause fear in our lives. They cause all of that. The reality is, as long as you're looking at that, you can't look at what's ahead of you. That's a difficult lesson to learn as well. Be a learner. I encourage you, if you write down any verse today, you write down, uh, 
steps remain far be it from me. I soothe and floor my feelings and pray for you. And then the other verse, uh, Chris, let's go back to um, one more slide, two more slides.